Hans Vesberg has been Verizon's CEO since August of 2018. He's currently leading the quantum leap in ultra-high-speed communications, 5G. The Financial Times referred to him as the 5G evangelist. Vesberg is currently preaching the gospel of a new digital world and the promise it brings. That promise is even more critical in a post-COVID era. He's also a leading voice on climate change, digital health, and a passionate proponent for equality and social justice. I'm Alexis Christophorus with Yahoo Finance, and joining me now is Hans Vesberg, chairman and CEO of Verizon, which we should mention is the parent company of Yahoo Finance. Hans, always good to see you. Thanks so much for being with us. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. So this has been a milestone month uh, for Verizon. You shared the stage with Apple's Tim Cook earlier in the month uh, at the launch of the iPhone 12 event. And there you talked about the expansion of Verizon's um, ultra-wide band to 55 cities. What does that mean for the company? How is that a game changer for Verizon? We have worked with our 5G strategy for several years right now and deploying our 5G as well. I think that what's happening uh, last week when uh, I took the stage together with Tim Cook was, of course, that we, we have the network, we have the ultra-wideband 5G that you talked about. We have also, we turned on the nationwide 5G. And then, of course, uh, given the importance of the iPhone in the U.S. for the consumers, then we have the phone that the majority of the U.S. Uh, consumers have. So that was sort of the reason why we felt this is now 5G is getting real because all the components are coming together. So, uh, and as uh, as you might know, we our strategy is very clear when it comes to our network. And first of all, we have the best 4G network. Then we have the ultra wideband. We have that in 55 cities in the most dense part of this uh, of the country, where we can do enormous a lot of new things with high speed capacity and low latency. At the same time, we turned on the nationwide 5G on the lower band of the spectrum. Uh, that is covering more than 200 million subscribers in 1,800 cities. So all that came together alive at the same time as uh, the launch of the iPhone 12, which all of them can enjoy all the uh, technologies that we have deployed in the network. So that's why it was a big moment for Verizon. We have been part of this uh, strategy for years, and now it's sort of coming to, to the market, to our consumers and to our customers. Definitely exciting times for Verizon, but Hans, I think that overall consumers are trying to wrap their heads around 5G. In practical terms, what does 5G mean for their experience? Will it greatly and radically enhance things from, from 4G? Yeah, that's how we have built it. So Verizon has built actually, so it's not only sort of a uh, linear progression from 4G. We built that the 5G ultra wideband because it's so transformative. It's 20x the speed, the capacity is so much wider, the latency is so much lower. So you can do things like uh, AR and VR in, in real time. Uh, you can do the multi-viewer uh, sort of cameras at an NFL game with seven concurrent cameras at the same time and you can pick and choose. They, these are things you can do with the 5G ultra wideband. So of course, we have built the network in order to make a step change for 4G. Remember, we have the best 4G network already and it's, it's, it's really good. So we want to do something extra. The 5G nationwide, is in, in some sort of a, uh, of a level of the 4G network, but that's just the beginning of it. So that's where we have more to do over time, of course. 
You mentioned the NFL. I know that Verizon has invested a lot in bringing 5G to sports stadiums, to airports. Sadly, these are areas that people are not frequenting right now because of the pandemic. So Hans, do you hope or expect those investments to start paying off in 2021? So if you look at the 43 arenas where built when we have sport events, we can already now use them because what, if you have 5G ultra wideband in the stadium, you can actually transmit all the cameras back to the user and the user can actually sit at home in the sofa to enjoy seven cameras not being in the stadium. So even though we are not frequenting these places today, uh, we can still enjoy the investment we have done. Then, of course, airports. Uh, and public places, we see less people today. I think that over time we will get back to those places, maybe not equal as before, but that's where all the capacity is. That's where the constraints are. And that's where we have our 5G ultra wideband, which means that we are going to be totally unconstrained in these places and we can do things we've never thought about doing before. So clearly we think this is the right strategy and uh, for our customers and uh, that we have seen paying off over time and we will continue to do so. We know that 5G speeds with Verizon are ultra fast, but one of the concerns we keep hearing is that it doesn't blanket a wide, a wide enough swath of space. Uh, what are you doing to, to improve things there in the coming months and years, Hans? So this year we basically do five times more uh, small cells on 5G ultra wideband. We just last week, or yeah, it was last week, we launched 90 new markets. So we are continuously upgrading it and to to get a, a much broader ultra wideband. But I said. We also did the nationwide on another spectrum that is for 200 million people. So we continuously develop our network. So we are always have a future-proof network for our customers as the phones are working on the 4G, it's working on the nationwide 5G, and it's working on the 5G ultra wideband. And in all the different models of iPhone 12, they are we have all three uh, sort of uh, levels of the network that we have built. So I think that's a proof point for how uh, Apple thinks about our future and how we think about bringing our customers in, the, in all these experiences. Hans, I want to talk a little bit about leading this company during this unprecedented time. Um, the pandemic has forced dozens of companies to lay off workers. Verizon has not had to lay off any of its 135,000 employees. How have you been able to do that and pivot uh, for your employees and for your consumers during this time? First of all, I think we, we started out very early on having a conversation what would be important in this crisis. This crisis is a crisis nobody has seen before. There are no playbooks. I mean, it's not like a bank crisis or a telecom crisis or something that I've been experienced before. This is a crisis of health. People are dying from it. It's, it's the health and safety of people, which is totally different. And, and then, of course, that pivoted into uh, an economic, economical downturn. And then, of course, on top of that, we got the racial, racial injustice. So it's a very broad set of crises outside our company that we need to think about how we're dealing with. So the first decision was that, hey, we need to see that we take long-term positive decision for all our stakeholders. And we have a stakeholder management with customers, shareholders, society, and employees. And we needed, we understood that whatever decision we take right now will follow us for years. So we need to think about long-term. That's why we prioritize our employees extremely high in this beginning, the safety and health of them. Remember, we have all our stores, we have our field engineers being out there every day. Not all our employees could be home and doing remote work. So we need to do, really prioritize that. Then we need to prioritize our customers. There will be customers that are not able to continue their their uh, to pay their bills. 
the infrastructure is second most important infrastructure in the country after healthcare. I mean, so we decided we're not going to disconnect anyone, uh, any consumer or any small and medium businesses because of non-payment. Uh, and we are working with all of them in order for them to see that they can continue to refinance. And we even have taken away charges, giving them more data. That was important decisions, but not only that. For our own employees, we worked a lot with communication. And some of, uh, some of the viewers might know that we run a daily webcast. Uh, we have done that since February for all our employees. We have had days where we had more than 100,000 employees tuning in. I was live myself for nine weeks, basically, every day. Nowadays, they only bring me in there once a week because they're tired of me. Uh, but, but it was a way to communicate and do things differently and right in a time where the nation really needs it. So that is just a couple of things we have done. And, and of course, we extended all the caregiving uh, leave, etc., with full pay, because this is unprecedented times. And our employees going to remember this time. Our customers going to remember it. The society is going to remember it. And clearly, our shareholders will remember it as well. So we just need to see that we manage all the four stakeholders. And that's how we set up the company. You know, it's hard sometimes to step back when you're still in the moment. But what have you learned leading this company through this pandemic that perhaps, you know, you can pass on to, to entrepreneurs or to other leaders or, you know, if you find yourself in another unprecedented situation down the road, Hans? So first of all, I speak to many of my, my peers uh, and they have done fantastic as well. Nobody believed that you can pivot on having so many employees working from home. And I think that goes for me as well. I'm proud how quickly we could pivot the model, how we can change how we work in the stores, how quickly we can change the way we're doing field operations with the safety and health as the number one. So I think that's a learning. I think the other learning in the crisis moment, uh, the communication is so important because you cannot rely on uh, the next uh, level in the organization relying information because it's so fluid and there's so many questions. That's another learning. And, and finally, the learning is that in crisis, the decisions you take are so important because they're going to live with you for years and you need to think long term because that's how the constituency around you think. So that's a couple of learnings we have taken from it. And I, then you learn personally how you're going to do with work with video conferencing in a totally different way, democratizing meetings. There are many things we have learned and uh, we still are learning from this uh, pandemic and downturn we have seen how to, to work in this new environment. It has highlighted the digital divide in this country. So many of us now needing to work from home, so many school children needing to do their studies from home and they don't necessarily have the tools to do it. And I know that Verizon is working closely with some other companies to help change that. Tell us what you're doing. So this is a, a moment uh, that is very important for our society. I mean, uh, we know the challenges we have in, in our society and many of them can only be addressed by the, 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 the decreasing the digital divide. This pandemic, of course, uh, the silver lining in this uh, uh, pandemic, of course, being that we can see it works to have healthcare, education digitally, getting information digitally. But also, if we don't do it right, we can actually increase the digital divide as well. So this is the opportunity to see that mobility, broadband and cloud services is the 21st century's infrastructure. And every government, every country and every private sector need to think about that. So that's how we've been thinking. And how, 
what we're really focused on has been education for underserved schools. We have invested more than 500 million US dollars in 2012 in underserved schools where we give them both the broadband, but we also give them the devices and we give them a curriculum, a digital curriculum, because it's very important when you talk about the digital divide that it's the accessibility of the, of the technology, of the broadband. It's also the affordability. You need to be able to afford it. And finally, it's the usability. Uh, I, we all like Netflix and all of that, but we need actually STEM education or healthcare application that can work on top of it so we get the social benefit from it. That's why the public-private conversation becomes even more important these times. I, I can assure you, Verizon will do everything to continue to lay out the broadband over the country, work with the different constituencies to see that we're getting... Uh, healthcare and education for all that needs to do that digitally. Now, speaking of social impact, I know that Verizon has set some pretty aggressive goals when it comes to energy efficiency and making a difference when it comes to climate change. You vowed to power the business with 50% renewable energy by 2025. You want to be carbon neutral uh, by 2035. Uh, tell us a little bit, share with us how you plan to do that and, and what do you believe is the private sector's role uh, in all of that? I think we have seen the pivot in the private sector over the last years. I mean, we understand that we are such an important uh, piece of progression of our society. I mean, that's why when we uh, came with our uh, new strategy for some two years ago, we said that all our strategies are based on the four stakeholders, are the society, employees, customers, and shareholders. And we have North Star for all four of them. But remember here, I like philanthropy and doing right things. This is part of our strategy, that we are doing education in schools. That is part of our strategy. Broadband is important for us. It's a part core strategy. Uh, uh, bringing devices out at work and giving digital STEM education. All is part of our strategy. We want more children and youth to learn about technology, and especially females, because we need more females in our industry. So all in all, that's part of our strategy. And that's how I think about climate as well. Uh, and that's uh, how I think about human prosperity. All that we have embedded in our strategy and we have sort of bold ambitions and not to store for all of them. And I think we're progressing well. On the climate, for example, we're now doing our second green bond uh, that we launched just a week ago, uh, where we actually are taking a billion dollars. Uh, this is the second billion dollars that we're investing in in, in, uh, in uh, sort of uh, green technology in order to support uh, the climate change and uh, reducing the climate change. So all in all, we have actions behind all of them in order to get there, but they're embedded in our strategy. That's the most important. And it's part of our strategy because usually when you have tough times, the first thing you start cutting is philanthropy, but you not start cutting on your strategies. And that's how we think at Verizon. I think I see many other corporations doing it as well. And we understand our responsibility as a large corporation here in the U.S. and in the rest of the world. I like it. You got to think bold. Hans Vestberg, Chairman and CEO of Verizon. Thanks so much. Thank you very much.